Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. And we are excited to have you along on the ride today. Very, very happy to be back here again. We spent a really fun night with some friends mm. uh, last night just celebrating Heidi's birthday. And man, it was. We have such a beautiful. cool group of friends, really. We do. I love looking around the table. And I saw a group of people that come either from the Marine Corps family part of my life, the running part of my life, the church part of my life, and to see everybody sitting around that table. And they all came there. Literally, it was just my birthday, but they came and just really made me feel so loved. It was a beautiful, beautiful birthday week. It was really fun. Good. And we had so much fun just out on the dance floor. Mm, we, <laughs> I had a blast. I can't dance to save my life, but I have a good time regardless. We don't let that stop us from getting out there and having a never, little fun. Never. I just show those youngsters how it's done. <laughs> it, uh, it was a good reminder, too, that the kingdom of heaven is going to look just it's not going to look all the same there's going to be people from all walks of life there's going to be uh people that have all sorts of different jobs and all sorts of different races and creeds and nationalities it's going to be a beautiful mixture of people absolutely i hope that people aren't too surprised that when they get to heaven it's not filled with only people that look just like <laughs> so, Father God, just open our hearts and minds to knowing that heaven is going to be a big, beautiful, diverse place. And mm. we can't wait to get there and hang out with you and hang out with all of our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Open our hearts and minds today. Just be with us as we read through this message and just work in someone's heart mm -hmm. today. There's a, there's a lot of hurt out there and there's a lot of healing happening right now i feel like and so somebody out there just needs that little extra dose of you today to get them yes. through yes i just pray i have witnessed your spirit in action over the past week and a half or so and god i just pray that that continues let it flow over and into everyone that listens to this today and please show everyone who listens what you specifically want them to hear from our words we ask this all in your holy name i pray amen amen so how are you today wife i am fantastic we had the best church service this morning i love the baptisms it those was stories baptism sunday and man mm. we love it when we get to hear testimonies from people that is literally yes. one of the favorite parts of going to church. Yes, I love that people literally walked in and they were just convicted and filled with his love for Jesus and it made them say, I want this. And they got baptized this morning on the spot. No waiting, no scheduling something that's six months off. It's boom, you're ready for this. We are ready to welcome you into the family. Here's a shirt, here's a towel. Let's do this. How many people were there this morning? Was I it was, like eight or I think so. 10? There were only four that were signed up That's ahead amazing. of time. I love people that do impromptu baptisms. Mm -hmm. I mean, good on you. It. I know it takes a lot of courage to get in that water. Yes. And so, but we heard just some of the most beautiful stories this morning, and it was just good to 
see the simplicity of some mm-hmm. of the stories. I think it was the one lady that just said, I love Jesus. Yes. Period. And that's good enough. Oh, you can just see it on them. But I knew it was going to be a full out Kleenex day when I saw who we were going to start baptisms with. And to see this gentleman that I see coming into church with his sister, um, he is a special needs gentleman, but he is filled with God. He's part of the prayer team, which I think is so amazing. And he was able to communicate and express to his sister his desire for baptism. His name is David, and and he is just a special soul. He absolutely is. What a joy to be there for this. It was it was just astonishing. I wish I could climb in there every time <laughs> because I remember what it felt like to come out of the water. I so know. if you have not yet been baptized and it weighs on you or you find yourself thinking, I want that, I am going to encourage you, do it. Jump in that water. Do that. There is no reason to wait. You do not have to change or be different before you come to God in that baptism water. He is waiting for you. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. So Heidi's going to be starting out here today reading in Matthew. And as always, all the texts that we're reading for the verses and chapters are listed down below in the comments. All right. I'm reading in Matthew chapter 14. At about this time, Herod, the regional ruler, heard what was being said about Jesus. He said to his servants, this has to be John the baptizer come back from the dead. That's why he's able to work miracles. Herod had arrested John, put him in chains, and sent him to prison to placate Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. John had provoked Herod by naming his relationship with Herodias adultery. Herod wanted to kill him, but he was afraid because too many people revered John as a prophet of God. But at his birthday celebration, he got his chance. Herodias's daughter provided the entertainment, dancing for the guests. She swept Herod away. In his drunken enthusiasm, he promised her an oath, anything she wanted. Already coached by her mother, she was ready. Give me, served up on a platter, the head of John the baptizer. That sobered the king up fast. Mm. Unwilling to lose face with his guests, he did it ordered John's head cut off and presented to the girl on a platter. She, in turn, gave it to her mother. Later, John's disciples got the body, gave it a reverent burial, and reported to Jesus. I'm thinking about this situation, and here is Herod carrying on an affair with his brother's wife. It was blatant adultery, but that angered her, angered him, She had her daughter dancing as entertainment for the male guests, which is just a disgrace to this daughter. But the daughter's like, all right, I'll do it. And she does it to tempt the man she's having an affair with by giving her daughter as a temptation to where he's like, anything you want. It's just (laughs) awful. I have to believe that. This may have been a time where Jesus shed tears. I mean, and just grieved. This was the man God chose to proclaim him, to be his forerunner, to prepare people for his coming. And he paid with his life. Yeah. Mm. 
All right, I got to continue here. When Jesus got the news, he slipped away by boat to an out-of-the-way place by himself. But unsuccessfully, someone saw him and the word got around. Soon, a lot of people from the nearby villages walked around the lake to where he was. When he saw them coming, he was overcome with pity and healed their sick. Toward evening, the disciples approached him. We're out in the country and it's getting late. Dismiss the people so they can go to the villages and get some supper. But Jesus said, there is no need to dismiss them. You give them supper. All we have are five loaves of bread and two fishes, they said. Jesus said, bring them here. Then he had the people sit on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. The disciples then gave the food to the congregation. They all ate their fill. They gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 were fed. Wow, that's really knowing how to stretch out a meal. I know. Well, they knew what to do with leftovers I back know. then. And they didn't have rice and cream of chicken or cream of mushroom soup <laughs> to just make it go further. So, <laughs> you know, not just the Dutch moms have the, have the secret to making a meal go further. I can imagine, though, that being there that day, man, they had to have just been like, what is going on here? Everybody is eating. And correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. it was... The 5,000 was men, correct? And then they had women and children in addition to, or no? I, you know what? I'm not entirely sure on that. That's typically when they give counts in the Bible, quite often it is it is the, men. the men. So hmm. I am not sure. So that could be an upwards of 15, 20,000 people. Possibly, or it was 5,000. I'm not sure, but I think you I'm going to look into that and okay. maybe I can report back. There we go. All right. And now I'll be picking up here in Acts, and we're in chapter 20, and I'm reading verses 1 through 12. Macedonia and Greece. With things back to normal, Paul called the disciples together and encouraged them to keep up the good work in Ephesus. Then, saying his goodbyes, he left for Macedonia. Traveling through the country, passing from one gathering to another, he gave constant encouragement lifting their spirits and charging them with fresh hope. Then he came to Greece and stayed on for three months. Just as he was about to sail for Syria, the Jews cooked up a plot against him. So he went the other way, by land, back through Macedonia, and gave them the slip. His companions for the journey were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristocris, and Secundus, both Thessalonians, (laughs) Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and the two from Western Asia, Tychius and Trophimus. Man, we got names in the New Testament today, too. Wowzer. They went on ahead and waited for us in Troas. Meanwhile, we stayed in Philippi for Passover week and then set sail. Within five days, we were again in Troas and stayed a week. We met on Sunday to worship and celebrate the Master's Supper. Paul addressed the congregation. Our plan was to leave first thing in the morning, but Paul talked on way past midnight. We were meeting in a well-lighted upper room. A young man named Eutychus 
was sitting in an open window, and as Paul went on and on, Eutychus fell sound asleep and toppled out the third-story window. When they picked him up, he was dead. Paul went down, stretched himself on him, and hugged him hard. No more crying, he said. There's life in him yet. And then Paul got up and served the master's supper and went on telling stories of the faith until dawn. On that note, they left, Paul going one way and the congregation another, leading the boy off alive and full mm -hmm. of life themselves. The thing I find most funny about this is that <laughs> Paul showed that little boy, or however old he was, Paul showed that boy some grace. Love. He didn't go over there and start admonishing him. This is kind of funny. I'm not going to name drop anything here, but we recently saw a video of a church service that just happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and somebody fell asleep in the church service and the pastor literally had the deacons come and remove this person. Elders, the elders. Oh, the yeah. elders, yeah. Mm -hmm. They came and removed this person from the, the worship like service. Like he stopped the service and made a scene in spectacle over this. Not acceptable. <laughs> it was in, in order for this young man to come back to church, he had to write a public letter of apology that had to be read to the church and ask for forgiveness. In my opinion, a little overboard, but you know. <laughs> yeah, because we have a perfect example exactly in the like, Bible of how this was handled. He yeah. showed such grace and didn't say he got what he deserved. He's dead. He went down and he brought, gave him his life back. Yeah. He lived. That's grace and love. It sure is. And now for everyone's favorite part, <laughs> we're rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi's going to be picking up here in Psalms. All right. We're reading Psalm 33. I cannot wait to hear some David words towards God. Good people cheer God. Right living people sound best when praising. Use guitars to reinforce your hallelujahs. Play his praise on a grand piano. Compose your own new song to him. Give him a trumpet fanfare. For God's word is solid to the core. Everything he makes is sound inside and out. He loves it when everything fits, when his world is in plumb line true. Earth is drenched in God's affectionate satisfaction. The skies were made by God's command. He breathed the words and the stars popped out. He scooped sea into his jug, put ocean in his keg. Earth creatures bow before God, world dwellers down on your knees. Here's why. He spoke and there it was, in place the moment he said so. God takes the wind out of Babel pretenses. He shoots down the world's power schemes. God's plan for the world stands up. All his designs are made to last. Blessed is the country with God for God. Blessed are the people he's put in his will. From high in the skies, God looks around. He sees all Adam's brood. From where he sits, he overlooks all us earth dwellers. He has shaped each person in turn. Now he watches everything we do. No king succeeds with a big army alone. 
No warrior wins by brute strength. Horsepower is not the answer. No one gets by on muscle alone. Watch this. God's eye is on those who respect him. The ones who are looking for his love, he's ready to come to their rescue in bad times. In lean times, he keeps body and soul together. We're depending on God. He's everything we need. What's more, our hearts brim with joy since we've taken for our own his holy name. Love us, God, with all you've got. That's what we're depending on. I have really enjoyed listening to the Psalms mm. and, you know, I've read through the Psalms before, but uh, really just spending some time in them with the message version has been, yeah, it's just, I love the descriptions and uh, just how it flows mm. with some of them. So I love to listen to a man who suffered. He made horrific choices. He was a murderer. He was a rapist. His child died because of his sin. His, he, he was a peeping Tom, too. So he was just not a good, he wasn't a good man in his human nature, but God's love yes. poured out over him caused this type of, type of praise and worship. And man, David, you just speak my language. And now I'll be finishing out the day in Exodus, and I'll be reading from chapters 27, 28, and 29. All right, I, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, here we go. Make an altar of acacia wood. Make it seven and a half feet square and four and a half feet high. Make horns at each of the four corners. The horns are to be one piece with the altar and covered with a veneer of bronze. Make buckets for removing the ashes, along with shovels, basins, forks, and fire pans. Make all of these utensils from bronze. Make a grate of bronze mesh and attach bronze rings at each of the four corners. Put the grate under the ledge of the altar at the halfway point of the altar. Make acacia wood poles for the altar and cover them with a veneer of bronze. Insert the poles through the rings on the two sides of the altar for carrying. Use boards to make the altar, keeping the interior hollow. Make a courtyard for the dwelling. The south side is to be 150 feet long. The hangings for the courtyard are to be woven from fine twisted linen. With their 20 post, 20 bronze bases and fastening hooks and bands of silver. The north side is to be exactly the same. For the west end of the courtyard, you will need 75 feet of hangings with their 10 posts and bases. Across the 75 feet at the front, or east end, you will need 22 and a half feet of hangings with their 3 posts and bases on one side, and the same for the other side. At the door of the courtyard, make a screen 30 feet long, woven from blue, purple, and scarlet stuff with fine twisted linen embroidered by a craftsman, and hung on its four posts and bases. All the posts around the courtyard are to be banded with silver, with hooks of silver and bases of bronze. The courtyard is to be 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. The hangings of fine twisted linen set on their bronze bases are to be seven and a half feet high. 
all of the tools used for setting up the holy dwelling, including all the pegs in it and the courtyard, are to be made of bronze. Now order the Israelites to bring you pure, clear olive oil for light, so that the lamps can be kept burning. In the tent of the meeting, the area outside the curtain that veils the testimony, Aaron and his sons will keep the light burning from evening until morning before God. This is to be a permanent practice down through the generations for Israelites. Get your brother Aaron and his sons from among the Israelites to serve me as priests. Aaron and his sons Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Make sacred investments for your brother Aaron to symbolize glory and beauty. Consult with the skilled craftsmen, those whom I have gifted in this work, and arrange for them to make Aaron's vestments, to set him apart as holy, to act as a priest for me. These are the articles of clothing that they are to make, breastpiece, ephod, robe, woven tunic, turban, sash. They are making holy vestments for your brother Aaron and his sons as they work as priests for me. They will need gold blue, purple, and scarlet material, and fine linen. Have the ephod made from gold, blue and purple and scarlet material, and fine twisted linen by a skilled craftsman. Give it two shoulder pieces at two of the corners so that it can be fastened. The decorated band on it is to be just like it and of one piece with it, made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet material, and of fine twisted linen. Next, take two onyx stones and engrave the names of the sons of Israel on them in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a jeweler engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in settings of filigreed gold. Fasten the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod they are memorial stones for the Israelites. Aaron will wear these names on his shoulders as a memorial before God. Make the settings of gold filigree. Make two chains of pure gold and braid them like cords, and then attach the corded chains to the settings. Now make a breastpiece of judgment using skilled craftsmen. The same as with the ephod. Use gold, blue, purple, and scarlet material, and fine twisted linen. Make it nine inches square and folded double. Mount four rows of precious gemstones on it. The first row, carnelian, topaz, and emerald. Second row, ruby, sapphire, and crystal. Third row, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. And the fourth row, beryl, onyx, and jasper. Set them in gold filigree. The twelve stones corresponded to the names of the Israelites, with the twelve names engraved, one on each, as on a seal for the twelve tribes. Then make braided chains of pure gold for the breastpiece like cords. Make two rings of gold for the breastpiece and fasten them to two ends. Fasten the two golden cords to the rings at the end of the breastpiece. Then fasten the other ends of the two cords to the two settings of filigree attaching to them the corner pieces of the ephod in front. Then make two rings of gold and fasten them to the two ends of the breastpiece on its inside edge facing the ephod. Then make two more rings of gold and fasten them in the front of the ephod 
to the lower part of the two shoulder pieces near the seam above the decorated band. Fasten the breast piece in place by running a cord of blue through its rings to the rings of the ephod so that it rests secure on the decorated band of the ephod and won't come loose. Aaron will regularly carry the names of the sons of Israel on the breastpiece of judgment over his heart as he enters the sanctuary into the presence of God for remembrance. Place the Urim and Thummim in the breastpiece of judgment. They will be over Aaron's heart and when he enters the presence of God. In this way, Aaron will regularly carry the breastpiece of judgment into the presence of God. Make the robe for the ephod entirely of blue, with an opening for the head at the center and a hem on the edge so that it won't tear. For the edge of the skirts, make a pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet material all around and alternate them with bells of gold. Gold bell and pomegranate, gold bell and pomegranate, all the way around the hem of the robe. Aaron has to wear it when he does his priestly work. The bells will be heard when he enters the holy place and comes into the presence of God, and again when he comes out so that he won't die. Make a plate of pure gold. Engrave on it as a holy seal, holy to God. Tie it with a blue cord to the front of the turban. It is to rest there on Aaron's forehead. He'll take on any guilt involved in the sacred offerings that the Israelites dedicate, no matter what they bring. It will always be on Aaron's forehead so that the offerings will be acceptable before God. Weave the tunic of fine linen. Make the turban of fine linen. The sash will be the work of an embroiderer. Make tunics, sashes, and hats for Aaron's sons to express glory and beauty. Dress your brother Aaron and his sons in them. Anoint, ordain, and dedicate them to serve me as priests. Make linen underwear to cover their nakedness from waist to thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear it whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they won't incur guilt and die. This is a permanent rule for Aaron and all of his high priest descendants. Who? Ikea's got nothing on that. This is, and I still have one chapter to go here. Oh. I mean, this is uh, some, <laughs> no. I, yeah, I get gobbledygook eyes a little bit when I start reading through Ikea instructions. And I'm the same way with this. Like, I just see all these hooks and loops and breast pieces. And uh, do you know I, what's so interesting? Because I'm a sewer, this was all making sense, and I visually was seeing what what was coming. Of I was this, thinking but... too that wow, they have such detail in this, mm -hmm. and they did not have any electricity. Nope. There was no hey, let's just go throw it on the embroidery machine real nope. quick. This was literally a labor of love where they are. That's their job. They're they're waking up every day and they are creating these beautiful things for the temple. Yeah, very specifically. And remember, there was no Joanne's fabric around the corner to go Nothing. and buy these 75 feet of hangings on one side. They were made by hand. They I were woven even. by hand, just in intricate, beautiful designs with glorious color, which meant it all had to be dyed by natural things. 
It's astonishing to me. So the sower in me is just awed by what they could do. So, all right, we're going to finish up here with uh, chapter 29. I, be- I believe in you. Thank you. I, I needed that. This is the ceremony for dedicating them as priests. Take a young bull and two rams, healthy and without defects. Using fine wheat flour but no yeast, make bread and cakes that are mixed with oil and wafers spread with oil. Place them in a basket and carry them along with the bull and the two rams. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then take the vestments and dress Aaron in the tunic, the robe of the ephod, the ephod, and the breastpiece, belting the ephod on him with the embroidered waistband. Set the turban on his head and place the sacred crown on the turban. And then take the anointing oil and pour it on his head, anointing him. Then bring his sons, put tunics on them, and gird them with sashes, both Aaron and his sons, and set hats on them. Their priesthood is upheld by law and is permanent. This is how you will ordain Aaron and his sons. Bring the bull to the tent of the meeting. Aaron and his sons will place their hands on the head of the bull. Then you will slaughter the bull in the presence of God at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and smear it on the horns of the altar with your finger. Pour the rest of the blood on the base of the altar. Next, take all the fat that covers the innards, fat from around the liver and two kidneys, and burn it on the altar. But the flesh of the bull, including its hide and dung, you will burn up outside of the camp. It is an absolution offering. Then take one of the rams. Have Aaron and his son place his hands on the head of the ram. Slaughter the ram and take its blood and throw it against the altar, all around. Cut the ram into pieces, wash its innards and legs, and then gather the pieces and its head and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a whole burnt offering to God, a pleasant fragrance, an offering by fire to God. Then take the second ram. Have Aaron and his sons place their hands on the ram's head. Slaughter the ram. Take some of its blood and rub it on Aaron's right earlobe and on the right earlobes of his sons, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Bible is great. (laughs) Sprinkle the rest of the blood against all sides of the altar. Then take some of the blood that is on the altar, mix it with some of the anointing oil, and splash it on Aaron and his clothes and on his sons and their clothes so that Aaron and his clothes and his sons and his sons' clothes will be made holy. Take the fat from the ram, the fat tail, the fat that covers the innards, the long lobe of the liver, the two kidneys and the fat on them, and the right thigh. This is the ordination ram. Also take one loaf of bread, an oil cake, and a wafer from the bread basket that is in the presence of God. Place all of these in the open hands of Aaron and his sons who will wave them before God, a wave offering. And then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar with the whole burnt offering, a pleasing fragrance before God, a gift to God. 
Now take the breast from Aaron's ordination ram and wave it before God, a wave offering. That will be your portion. Bless the wave offering breast and the thigh that was held up. These are the parts of the ordination ram that are for Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons are always to get this offering from the Israelites. The Israelites are to make this offering regularly from their peace offerings. Aaron's sacred garments are to be handed down to his descendants so that they can be anointed and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest is to wear them for seven days and enter the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place. Take the ordination ram and boil the meat in the holy place. At the entrance to the tent of meeting, Aaron and his sons will eat the boiled ram and the bread that is in the basket. Atoned by these offerings, ordained and hallowed by them, they are the only ones who are to eat them. No outsiders are to eat them. They are holy. Anything from the ordination ram or from the bread that is left over until morning, you are to burn up. Don't eat it. It's holy. Do everything for the ordination of Aaron and his sons exactly as I've commanded you throughout the seven days. Offer a bull as an absolution offering for atonement each day. Offer it on the altar when you make atonement for it. Anoint and hallow it. Make atonement for the altar and hallow it for seven days. The altar will become soaked in holiness. Anyone who so much as touches the altar will become holy. This is what you are to offer on the altar. Two-year-old lambs each and every day one lamb in the morning and the second lamb at evening. With the sacrifice of the first lamb, offer two quarts of fine flour with a quart of virgin olive oil, plus a quart of wine for a drink offering. The sacrifice of the second lamb, the one at evening, is also to be accompanied by the same grain offering and drink offering of the morning sacrifice to give a pleasing fragrance, a gift to God. This is to be your regular, daily, whole burnt offering before God, generation after generation, sacrificed at the entrance to the tent of meeting. That's where I'll meet you. That's where I'll speak with you. And that's where I'll meet the Israelites at the place made holy by my glory. I'll make the tent of meeting and the altar holy. I'll make Aaron and his sons holy in order to serve me as priests. I'll move in and live with the Israelites. I'll be their God. They'll realize that I am their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live with them. I am God, your God. And that's the end of chapter 29. Oh, that was some detail-specific instruction that's remarkable, but I have a question. Yes. So they had to, like, fling blood at Aaron? Does that mean all these gorgeous, beautiful robes were actually blood-stained and soaked? Because he had to wear all of those, and then that gets passed down. So was that in and of itself just a visual of what was required to cover sin? So each, you're saying, so each week it would be new blood on him, right? Yes. Right? I'm Because he had to wear this during this process. Right, yeah. And I don't think that they had, uh, I don't think they I had like they, the stain away stuff. Or, or aprons and... <laughs> no. 
Yeah, I don't know. So I find that interesting in that particular garment was to be handed down and as they became a priest they would have to wear that same garment that Aaron wore I mean so that was just a treasured handed down handed down if I'm understanding correctly I would have to imagine that there's a way for them to clean that though simply because like after you do a few years of getting blood flung on you I would imagine that robe would be a little dirty a little yes. crusty. Yes, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm kind of fascinated by that and not something I had really stopped to think about before. I mean, why couldn't they, I don't know, wash it in the river or I don't know, blood doesn't come out though as good as I know. So, but I think it would be used as just that visual. This was your sins required this sacrifice, but mm. and then can you imagine how hot under all of that stuff he had to wear? It gets very hot where they are. And then you're deep inside and you're doing sacrifices around fire and you are just, oh. These were not uh, moisture wicking materials no. or <laughs> anything like that. No high tech running <laughs> running gear here. They so. did not have a undershirt that was. <laughs> mm, nope. God, God took care of it all. And friends, that is the end of our reading today. We appreciate having you join along as always. Thank you so much for being with us again. We so look forward to being back and we can continue our journey through the message. And it's been a wild ride again today. So we look forward to seeing you next time on a journey through the message. And we hope that you are blessed today. So we can't wait to be back with you. Have a good day.